This is a podcast from the Caldor Centre for International Refugee Law at UNSW. For more information, go to www.caldorcentre.unsw.edu.au. Hi, I'm Lauren Martin from the Caldor Centre for International Refugee Law, and today we're talking with Jamie Isbister. He's the head of the Humanitarian NGOs and Partnerships Division at Australia's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. In September last year, the UN General Assembly adopted the New York Declaration, setting in motion a process for states to adopt two new global compacts by the end of 2018, one on refugees and one on safe, orderly and regular migration. Never before has there been such high-level attention from political leaders and the UN General Assembly to address refugee and migrant issues. It's unlikely to be repeated in our lifetimes. So the Global Compacts are the focus of the upcoming Caldor Center Conference. DFAT is actively involved in the international talks to develop these two global compacts, and Jamie is leading DFAT's work. Thanks for being with us, Jamie. Thank you, Lauren. Can we start off with simply, what do you think success will look like? What, what would this mean for countries like Australia in responding to humanitarian need globally? I mean, uh, Lauren, I mean, fundamentally, I think what success would look like is um, the international community, and that sort of includes governments, uh, non-governments, private sector, looking at better ways that we can collectively address the increasing um, uh, challenge around global displacement uh, that we have today. There's over 65 million people who were displaced um, due to conflict, um, many of them being refugees, uh, residing in countries of first asylum, and there's also increasing sort of um, uh, migration that uh, drives that. A lot of that sort of uh, an important part of um, our economies and societies, etc. But also with that, there's uh, a lot of challenges that come with um, the, the risks around migration and trafficking and 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 and, and, and people smuggling. And so I think success mm-hmm. really looks at how the international community can both better address that and that that displacement issue from resulting often from conflict, but also finding more effective ways to manage um, uh, migration uh, in our um, global uh, world today. And specifically for Australia, are there any issues that really mean um, that it's important to represent in these talks uh, from our regional perspective? Yeah, look, I mean, I think, you know, within our region, you know, we deal with, um, uh, even if you look at, uh, you know, today, the the current Rohingya crisis, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. over 600,000 people who have uh, been displaced in a matter of months uh, crossing into the Bangladesh border. And, you know, how do we um, uh, try and best address that uh, crisis, both in terms of providing uh, life-saving assistance, humanitarian need for, for those more than 600,000 uh, refugees, but also how we potentially support the Bangladesh government um, uh, and others to 
to um, provide a dignified sort of um, environment for many of those refugees. Um, you know, hopefully the the time will come relatively soon when 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 there'll be sort of the conditions and situation for for many of them to return. But while that can't happen, how do we work with um, the government um, refugees to uh, to look at ways we can better address the not just the the humanitarian but the education, livelihoods, and other sort of needs that uh, so many refugees um, uh, face when they they, they are displaced and, and cross a border. Mm. And I guess one of the pilot uh, frameworks for doing that that's part of the Global Compacts process has been the Comprehensive Refugee Response Framework, the CRRF. And I know that Australia is funding the rollout of the CRRF in Uganda and Ethiopia. Can you explain a little bit more about the framework and tell us how it's tracking in those early pilots? Yeah, sure. So the CRRF is basically um, the Comprehensive Refugee um, Framework is really um, an effort to try and look at how we translate the principles that have been agreed or that they will be agreed under a global refugee compact into 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 real change. And the the best way to sort of describe that sort of shift that's trying to be looked at is how. Um, uh, donors like ourselves, international partners, um, uh, the private sector can better um, uh, support um, national governments, local communities um, and, and refugees to develop um, more sustainable and dignified approaches to to, to their needs. So, you know, in the last, mm-hmm. you know, um, 12 plus months, there's been, you know, uh, over a million, um, almost 2 million refugees from South Sudan crossing into Uganda. Mm-hmm. The Ugandan government's, um, you know, been very generous in terms of opening its, not only opening its borders, but also offering, um, not, a, not immediately putting people into containment camps or refugee camps, but actually allocating land um, where refugees can can settle and 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 actually um, develop some level of productive life um, while they pretend, you know, wait to hopefully be able to return back to South Sudan when the the conditions are there and so the CRF is trying to look at both how you know the basic humanitarian needs, but also um, uh, uh, employment, uh, education, protection needs can be uh, put in place for for many um, refugees displaced. And I think the Uganda model is is one that the international community is looking at to see. You know, here is a scenario where refugees aren't just simply seen as as, as victims, but also that they're they're assets. They've got contributions they can make. Uh, at a time that they've had disruptions to their lives, they can still um, uh, live some uh, form of productive uh, life where they're either growing their own foods or able to teach, if they've been teachers, teaching in schools for um, uh, refugee communities, etc. And so I think you know the initial sort of roots are emerging in that sort of um, that that sort of idea. I mean, there's no magic bullet to it. I mean, we know that there's, with, the, with the increasing level of displacement, it comes with huge challenges. But the key thing really is trying to look at how we don't, um, when we're dealing with large displacement, we're not just simply dealing with um, refugees or uh, as, in, as, as, as simply individuals or as, as liabilities, but how we can collectively support their, um, them to, to, to live a relatively productive life before they return. And that framework is working on uh, integrating all those various supports from the start. 
Yeah, so that's right. So, um, you know, the, the uh, um, national governments or ho- governments that are hosting refugees, um, looking at uh, commitments that allow them to, to, to from the beginning, um, come up with um, approaches that can um, be more sustainable solutions for refugees. Mm-hmm. The, the, the request they make is that donors are willing to bring resources and support for that, not, not only for... Uh, solutions to be found for those um, refugees crossing, but also the host communities that are often uh, impacted by such large movements of people. Um, you know, a couple of recent examples, what the, gov- the government's done beyond the sort of Uganda and Ethiopia pilots is we've moved now to sort of multi-year approaches to addressing the Syria crisis. The government announced a $220 million package in Syria, a $110 million package in um, Iraq over three years. And that was really a shift to sort of say, how do we move away from sort of the annual allocations to address humanitarian mm-hmm. needs, um, but but develop a sort of a, a longer term approach where we both meet those needs, but also potentially look at how we can invest in education in emergencies, look at ways that there can be some employment opportunities for, for refugees when they might be living in, 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 in a host country or, or host communities. So, yeah, that, that's the sort of shift in terms of how we as donors uh, early on um, provide the, the, some level of certainty and, and, and resources to allow um, more sustainable solutions to be put in place, but then host governments themselves mm. um, taking policy approaches and, and, and settlement approaches that, that um, uh, allow for that more sustainable approach. And so you're seeing um, a new or, or different whole of community response in places with large displacement through these pilots? Well, that's right. I mean, I think in the past, um, the way that uh, response to, to, to refugee movements has occurred is often, you know, the humanitarian community, often well-meaning, have come in, um, sometimes established sort of separate or parallel sort of arrangements um, to, to meet the food security, water sanitation, um, shelter needs of refugees. And often even the national government, local government, um, uh, local businesses have been somewhat marginalised from that. And so the whole of community thing is truly really trying to look at how um, approaches to addressing the needs of refugees and displacement is actually engaging um, uh, and supporting the broader um, uh, um, um, resources and assets that governments have, that they've got a greater say and voice about how they develop um, programs and policies that don't not only address the needs of ref- the refugees that might be coming across, but also uh, host communities. And so it's it's that um, it's that sort of more collective approach to how to address the need, rather than maybe in the past, as I mentioned, um, you know, the humanitarian community itself sort of um, uh, you know, almost fencing off um, uh, a, a humanitarian uh, intervention um, that's dealing with a, a particular caseload, sometimes the exclusion of, of of the um, the host communities. Yeah, almost an emergency approach there, yeah. So what do you hope to see in the Global Compact on Refugees Program of Action that would complement what you're seeing in that um, CRRF approach? Yeah, so I think, I mean, one with the Refugee Compacts, you know, and obviously sort of very basic but important thing is just the reaffirming the principles of the 1951 Convention that, mm. you know, has been important in terms of acknowledging the the um, the 
the um, responsibilities and shared uh, responsibilities of the international community to address uh, um, uh, the needs of, of refugees. Um, I think this more comprehensive, holistic approach to how we uh, address the challenges around displacement um, uh, for, 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 for both internally displaced people but, but refugees as well. Um, how um, decisions and resources can be allocated in a way where um, refugees themselves have a greater voice in determining how assistance is provided to them and how they can be negotiating their needs and, and support and that's probably mm. been something which in the past um, you know the, the international community hasn't been as, as, as effective as, as we could be on it so I think it's a, a, the clear, the clear uh, statement around the, the shared responsibilities that countries have in, in addressing refugee aspects, acknowledging that countries of first asylum are often um, taking the, the, the disproportionate burden of refugees crossing into their areas. So how do we then look at ways internationally, the international community can best address that? And we know from many um, decades of experience that the most effective way to support refugees is to, to to provide support, assistance, and resources to them as close to home as possible. Um, you know, r refugees almost across the board. If you ask them, their their primary want is to be able to return home and be able to return back to some level of normality from with their community and and, and family um, structure. But there's while, while those conditions are not there, it's about how we are able to best support them and prevent the risks of you know, protection issues, disproportionate attacks and, and violence against women and children that we've often seen before. And then often at times, you know, the, some of the, um, the, the more concerning issues around trafficking of people and, and, and smuggling that can, you know, uh, have devastating impacts on, on many refugees' lives. Mm -hmm. And in all of this, there's obviously... a, a a lot of discussion in these global compact negotiations, a lot of pieces to tease out. What added value does Australia bring to these talks and, and what role is the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade playing in those negotiations? Um, well, I mean, I think with, obviously being in the Asia-Pacific region, you know, it's one of the, the regions that uh, is most disaster-prone in the world. Um, mm. It's, uh, you know... Um, impacted by you know a, a, a wide range of different natural disasters, um, and there's the you know, increasing challenges around around climate change. And I think you know from Australian government's perspective is looking at how we can ensure the perspectives and views of of Australia, but uh, together with our Pacific partners, can ensure that those um, their concerns and views are reflected in any any discussions and and decisions around. Um, the, the two compacts and the refugee compact and the, refu and the, and the migration compact, um, and I think you know we're it, it's also you know looking at um, you know we're a country that's had a, a long history of of um, supporting um, resettlement uh, in Australia, um, the experiences that we've had from uh, resettling um, refugees in Australia, how we can share that with others and hopefully encourage um, other donors to also step up in terms of the, the burden sharing and, 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 and where need be, um, uh, provide um, uh, protection resettlement uh, solutions for, for those refugees who are unable to, to return home for whatever reason. Hmm. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. I'm really looking forward to the Caldor Centre Conference coming up and the afternoon session, the Q&A session, 
where you'll be um, sharing your thoughts along with a number of other officials from the Australian government and UNHCR. And uh, so we really appreciate your time today and look forward to hearing you then. Terrific. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, Thanks.